Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. The podcast that definitely, definitely won't be saying I told you so when discussing Marseille and their current form. More on that to come. My name is Chris, I'm your host as usual and apologies we are a day late this week. Um, sometimes things come up that are unavoidable and uh, and happen in real life so uh, we are a day late, apologies. I'm sure you missed us but we're here so don't panic. Right, uh, before we take over an hour of your time I shall of course introduce my uh, my free flock of Jez and Phil. Good evening to you both, I've described you as sheep there. <laughs> <laughs> Could have, could have been a lot worse so we'll go with we'll go with sheep right uh we got a, a few bits and bobs to cover this week obviously the last weekend's action but we will briefly give a nod to essentially the, the charity shield of france which was the trophy du champion which was uh, won by psg last wednesday so almost a week ago now which won't surprise too many people that psg won uh, they beat marseille by two goals to one Interesting outcome at the end of this game where I think Vias Boas essentially said he was uh, his team were the best team and they lost. His players didn't seem to agree. Interesting. And uh, PSG largely flattered to deceive, but one thing that certainly came out of this game was, was Mauro Icardi has seem, seemingly found some form again. He was excellent on the night, uh, got the opener and uh, won the penalty, which Neymar converted. And, uh, and of course, Neymar and Gonzalez had a few bits and bobs to say to each other as we all expected but ultimately a wet and uh, slightly uh, slightly windy affair in foggy and foggy well. yeah it's just a really gross night but <laughs> one by PSG I mean do, do either of you really care too much I know it's a bit a bit of a trivial well, thing to say but you know I I kind of care you know it's a uh... Because it was a, you know, it's a classic as well. So it was interesting, obviously, Pochettino's first title in what his third game mm. with PSG. Um, if it as a title. Well, <laughs> you know, I think cer certain people do and, and what the hell you get silverware. So I think what was interesting was obviously um, we started again with Verratti in the kind of number 10 position, which still doesn't suit him. And he's still mostly playing sideways in this game. Um, looking at the, the stats and one thing that was interesting sort of early on we had an Icardi goal ruled out for offside uh, Kylian Mbappe and then Mbappe goal was ruled out for offside and you just kept thinking at some point PSG will be onside and at that point the OM defence are going to be in trouble and then Icardi stayed onside and um, uh, and then it was uh, the opening goal so I think Mandanda was a little bit unlucky because he did manage to get the header onto the post and then Icardi tapped it, tapped in the rebound. But then he seemed to be injured because Pelle came on for the second half. So it looked, um, kind of summed it up a little bit that uh, Villaspoas tried to go offensive in the second half by bringing on Benedetto and Sanson. And then, um, you know, Pochettino brings on Neymar and, and Kimpembe to shore up at the back. So it was like a, a slightly different, you know, you know, a sign of the slightly different situations of the teams. Uh, we saw Lirola for the first time, I think, for OM. And, you know, then OM again try to up the offensiveness and it's Valerjeman on for Rangier, which again is kind of a see above situation. We love Valerjeman on this podcast, but the gulf there is... 
I think, noticeable. So, yeah, there was a, a late penalty after Icardi went down and there was some bar stuff. And I think while Payet's goal on the 88th minute was a really nice finish and it did set up a kind of interesting five added minutes that did kind of make things look a little better than they were. I mean, looking at the stats, they were even on shots and pretty close. It was three, four on shots on target. The possession was all PSG. So it was a slightly strange game, as, as these often are. But the five added minutes was basically set up to be, can OM get back into this? And then Sakai send a shot directly upwards. Toma Mr. Volley. It just ended as you kind of expect. So yeah. I, that, it was, I, I found it quite a fun game because... It's two big t two big teams who hate each other going at each other, and the whole Gonzalo Neymar uh, situation obviously added to that. But um, yeah, yeah, there it, it is. Was, it it was, is um, what it is. It was it was it was a watchable game. I'll say that is just for me. Without the crowd, once again, it it suffered a bit. Um, and Jez, we'll, we'll come on to Marseille in a bit more depth in a, in a moment. But they did have a very very good chance through Tovan late on and. As Phil said, that was that was squandered. Is, is it sort of like this? This sort of in terms of this game, like you, you kind of mentioned there. If you, do you count it as a trophy? I mean, Pochettino will, and and of course PSG will consider it a trophy. Of course, it is a trophy, but ultimately, this is just a game that both sides probably would have wanted out the way. Is that fair to say? Especially going into what happened at the weekends in the weekends games. Yeah, I think that uh, sort of. Uh, Community Shield or Trouve de Champion Super Cup that, that they had last um, this weekend in in Spain. I think it's one of those things where if you win it, you'll say that it matters, and if you don't, you'll you'll say that it doesn't. Um, and you can sort of retrospectively find reasons to 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 sort of back yourself up. I think so. PSG having won it can say you know it takes a bit of pressure off Pochettino because he's won a trophy. Um, you know, a return of a little bit of bragging rights over Marseille after losing that that first match later in the season. And actually, the next one comes around quite soon. I think it's beginning of February. Um, but, you know, at the end of Pochettino's career, I don't think he's going to, you know, if this is the only <laughs> trophy he wins, I don't reckon he'll look back and say, you know, I won anything serious. Mm -hmm. um, for Marseille, probably you know again because they didn't win they can say well you know it doesn't really matter it's not the most important thing in such a congested timetable we need to sort of just get this match out of the way and, and start focusing on the league again had they won it maybe you know in the same way that say had Barcelona won the Super Cup they could use it as some kind of springboard for a more positive second half of the season so I think they'll try to play down its importance but um yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's not important, simple as that, in any year, but especially this year with so many matches to to fit in and played in the middle of the season, um, not even as some kind of season opener. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't even know if it was necessary to have the match, but um, yeah, I think that was. Sorry, I was just going to say that was the weirdest thing for me. It's like having a match from last season in the middle of this season. It just, it just, just felt weird, didn't it? Just like a really strange. It's like Strange we got rid there. of the Coupe de la Ligue. I mean, yeah, this, exactly. This could easily have just been, you know, well done, everybody. 
Mm. Yeah, yeah. Or, or just just award the trophy to Marseille to keep them happy for a season, and yeah, maybe not that. Uh, but yeah, that that was the the trophy to champion. We ditched the trophy in every. Or just team. yeah, all just ditched the trophy altogether. Same with the, the charity shield in, in the UK. I agree. I know. With that. I assume you've got a very good record in it, but I don't. I'd know still get rid. No, I. I it doesn't. It doesn't mean a thing. It meant nothing this year. Meant nothing any year to me. But um, yeah, it's just it's just a, a pre a glorified preseason friendly, isn't it? Really, but yeah. being played in mid January. Yeah, with no fans. Yeah, fun times. I mean, that, that was that was the real shame. I think we mentioned that you know last week that because often the league games you can't have travelling fans because of various prefectural or police interdictions. This is one of the few occasions where you'd actually get to see, you know, both sides fans in full voice and and pyro and explosives and um, forging a banners and stuff like that. And obviously, without that, it it does then all depend on the needle on the pitch. So there was a bit of that, but you know, it 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 would have been so much better with the fans there. Obviously. Yeah. Nothing to write home about in terms of the the massive rivalry, other than the same once Neymar came on. There was a bit of needle, but nothing too too major. That uh, took us into the weekend's games, then, and we'll stick with PSG first of all because we'll look at the, the title race because that really is where the focus is at the moment. Things are are heating up, and uh, it was all change at the weekend. I say we'll start with PSG, who won one nil away at Angers with a terrific goal from from Levin Kozawa. Um, ironically, as usual, doing his best work in the wrong end of the pitch rather than his defensive side. But, you know, it's a very, very technically good volley from him. And uh, Moulin's men, they certainly played a bit this time and, um, and and came out of their shells much more than they did at, at PDP, but it wasn't to be enough. Chiaz, I'm going to ask you, first of all, um, just within this game, I didn't think PSG were particularly great they certainly weren't um their free-flowing best and this was despite naming kind of the big four in terms of their forward line and um one man in particular who who looked very fed up after being substituted and having a pretty pretty low-key night was Kylian Mbappe are you slightly concerned about his form as we head I mean I say we head towards the Euros who the hell knows but he he does have the sort of look of um there's, there's a bit of a, a Gallic shrug about his play at the moment. He looks a bit of a frustrated man. He should say he's still only 22. You know, he's won the World Cup. He's done it all. But is there a bit of an element of, of that arrogance that, that you've mentioned before creeping in to his play that, that's restricting him a bit? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've had issues with his arrogance before, but actually that I think the arrogance usually comes when he's he's in a sort of decent vein of form and he's trying to do a little bit too much. I think at the moment it probably is fair to say he's not at the top of his form. And, um, you know, it may be surprisingly considering he's, he's sort of young and, and um, you know, in his prime or whatever, he, he is looking very tired. But, you know, the fact is PSG didn't have much of a break. Um, and, you know, maybe... That is why in matches like this, they're, they're nowhere near their best. And, uh, you know, as, as we've said so many times before, or they they are maybe over-reliant on two or three of their players to provide those those sparks. So when those players aren't sort of sparking, um, it, it kind of 
stands out more because it means the team isn't playing and you're constantly looking to someone like Mbappe to do something special. But yeah, I, d- I definitely think he's in a bit of a funk at the moment. I mean, the arrogance thing, to be completely honest, I, I as a general observation, I just wish he didn't play with Neymar anymore, whether it's Neymar leaving or him leaving. I, I, I really genuinely think it, it, it has the potential to not ruin his career, obviously. I mean, he's, as you said, he's already a World Cup winner, but um, I don't think the sort of arrogance that he is learning off Neymar is healthy for him at all. But for me at the moment, the concern is more just tiredness and more just just a lack of form. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in, in the Champions League, I think people were focusing a lot on the fact that he'd gone a year without scoring. I'm less bothered about that because I think he, he was still coming up with his, his decent fair share of, of assists or... Um, sort of penultimate passes certainly he was involved in some important goals during that time but yeah even in the league he's just he's I know he's, he's joint top scorer but it's not he certainly doesn't seem anywhere near his sharpest and and you know possibly certainly from a France point of view a, a sort of a minor muscle injury that keeps him out for three weeks or so wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing in the world no no I agree with that if it feels like a man who's just uh he just hasn't hasn't quite found his his niche, or, or I would argue even his position in this PSG side at the moment. He, sort of playing sometimes left wing, sometimes up front, sometimes ten, kind of all little bit all over the shop. So um, yeah, definitely has um, has a, a look of that about it. Speaking of um, players who are looking to hit form, or, or we've sort of been waiting for them to hit form, brings us to to Lille, Phil and uh, Jonathan David coming up with a massive winner for, for Lille in stoppage time. They were behind at home to, to Rams after a, a quite a rare manual error leading to Sonelli's cross floating over his head and going in. Uh, Jonathan Bamba, who else equalised? And then Jonathan David popping up to smash home after Xhaka's shot had been spilt um, pretty badly by Rykovic, who's usually quite a reliable character. And David nestled in the 91st minute winner. That, it's a sign of champions, isn't it, from, from Lille to win late on in that sort that- of fashion? particularly given what happened in the next game, um, uh, this did feel like uh, a very important sort of last minute, last minute winner. The Jonathan's in full effect for Lille again, but yeah, they did, um, they did leave it very late. um, And Rouse obviously have been in kind of upsy-downsy form, but um, it was kind of an important score. I, like many other people, watched the first kind of half an hour and then switched over to the obvious other match. So I don't have uh, much kind of to, to add on on the uh, tactical situation there. Um, but it's uh, certainly important to keep Lille obviously level on points with PSG, although PSG's goal difference is 13 the better. So it's still keeping it interesting up there. But yeah, that was a, a very... In a sense, very important wins for both of them because the word I've got written under the PSG game is just unconvincing. Um, and I think you're uh, one of your many man crushes, uh, Fulgini. Uh, yes. Still pretty good for Roger. Yeah, 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 Fulgini is. Yeah, I do like watching him. But um, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. What, what, what's your sort of thoughts around Galtier's men? Jez, in, in terms of sort of, you, you look at they had a little bit of a wobble, didn't they? Briefly recently, and and you you do you looked at this sort of game and you thought, surely this is a home win. And once they went behind, 
they what really impressed me about their performance in this particular game was they just went for it. They just went at it, and there, and there was never any doubt they were going to throw everything. And yeah, it's a little bit of fortune with that late winner, but that's it. Just had that feel, the whole celebration, the whole ninety-first minute. You know, one of the last kicks of the game. It, it does suggest to me that Lille have got the staying power to to remain in this title race if they're going to win those sort of clutch games. Yeah, I mean, previous match as well. They 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 okay, it was away from home, but they only beat. I you know we'll come to later, but uh, you know were in a really really bad way. They only beat them one 0 and it wasn't the most convincing. But the fact is, they won both matches. Um, we've seen earlier in the season they can play really good football and win. And in these two matches, they've shown a bit like PSG against Angers that they can, you know, have pretty poor days and still find a way to win. And yeah, they were helped out by by Rykovic, certainly in the second goal, arguably, you know, as much as he had a massacre as defender, he didn't exactly help him out with the first goal either. Um, they were helped out there, but they still found a way to to get the three points. And I, yeah, I don't think they're going to go away. I think... Um, the fact that they have got, you know, a good five or six goal scorers, none of them necessarily going to be prolific, but feel like if, if someone has an off day, someone else will, will pop up with a goal. They've got um, in, in midfield as well, they've got four or five really good midfielders that can rotate and, and hopefully um, stay fresh. Now, arguably, the, the only sort of real weaknesses is, is possibly the the fullbacks, but um, generally, I think that the squad's in a good way. Um, they hopefully aren't being too distracted by by things going on off the pitch or what might happen in the summer. Um, and yeah, I, I, I do think that they're they're sort of still well placed for a title tilt, and I don't see any reason. I guess the only thing is again whether a long run in Europe, if they have one, whether that could affect them. Mm. Um, so. You know, maybe we have to sort of revisit this after the Ajax tie and see yeah. how that goes. But at the moment, I think they're in a really good way. They're, they're not going away. And I think with the squad they've got, there's no reason why they should. Yeah, yeah, completely agree with that. And uh, moving on to, to our next sort of feature, if you will, it would be rude of me to not stick with you, first of all, for uh, the, the triumphant 1-0 win for, for Mets away at uh, Lyon. And this... It's actually a really decent game of football and, and one late with uh, Leah Saliki's goal, which was, it was one of those moments where like, the longer this game went and, and Leon, I mean, we'd probably talk about the two major incidents in the game. Stephanie Frappar and, and her linesman uh, ruled out the opener, what we thought was the opener from Toko Akambe, which was a strange one because it sort of went full celebration and, you know, the ball's on the centre spot and then it's ruled out for a, a close offside call. <clears throat> I've spoken to a few people who, who seem to think it was the wrong call. I personally think it was the right call because, okay, the ball comes off the bar, but Awar is clearly in a position where he is offside, even if well, it's by I, fractions. I, from French TV, I got the impression it was actually Toko Akambi who was offside when that first ball was pinged off the crossbar. So it was all very confusing. Yeah, there was almost like two two phases of play, wasn't there, in, in that yeah. one? I, th I think, yeah, it's it either OR or indeed, as you say, the, the first first course of play from from Akambu. But his, his goals ruled out. And then the longer this game went, I was just sitting there and I was thinking, Jez is going to believe, Jez is going to believe. And then when, <laughs> wouldn't you know it, up pops the late winner. What did you make of 
first of all, let's just talk about Metz's performance, Jess. Did you did you see that coming? I mean, I I felt it was a goalkeeping error, by the way, I should say. I thought Lopez he came and then he went, Oh Christ, I'm in trouble here. And then that was that. But it's a really good finish. And Mets worked their asses off, didn't they? They they really did go and, and try and play Leon. There was this wasn't a smash and grab. Um, I mean you look at Mess's matches this year against against the top teams and you know, conceding last minute defeat to Lille to PSG, last minute equaliser to, to Marseille. Um, I think there's only one nil against Monaco as well. So they've been in all those matches. Um, in more recent weeks, and I know I keep saying it, but they have got a hell of a lot of injuries. Um, they've been in, sorry, in those matches, they have been up for sort of playing football and, and, you know, trying to give the opposition a, a proper challenge as well. But re- in recent weeks, they've done that a little bit less. And in certain matches, they've, they've been criticised for sort of just trying to, you know, get a nil-nil or something. But I do think part of that is due to the, the personnel available. But um, with a couple of players back, and they've, they've now sort of really got used to the, the three at the back, and Kiyate is looking excellent. Um, they, yeah, they... I guess in a way they, they felt they've got nothing to lose. They're nicely mid-table. Um, they've got an awful record at Lyon. And I, I don't think this was a case of going there and tr- just keeping things tight and trying to um, creep away with a, with a nil-nil draw. I think they, you know, they had their chances all the way through the match. They Not long before, before the winner, there was a cracking got, uh, shot off the, off the bar. Um, they, they should have scored near the end of the first half where... Um, I think it was more a cross that came off the post, but um, really yeah. Gay should have put, put away the rebound. It was a great goal line clearance from Marcelo. So it wasn't like it was all Lyon um, at all. Um, you know, it was a really good match because two teams were, were going for it. So I'm not necessarily saying that, that Mess deserved the win, but, um, you know, I think they probably could have felt hard done by had they lost. And and obviously the, the win's a lovely bonus. Yeah, um, deserves and, something. Oh, yeah, I mean, Lopez obviously has got a tendency to come out, but it was also a superb pass by by Bulaya. Mm. Um, and Leia Seca took it surprisingly well. Um, and then got booked for his uh, shirt off celebration, which is always nice to see. All the rules went out the window for that, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, and, well, and rightly so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If for whatever, e- obviously not in that case, but if for whatever reason that happens and then the goal's ruled out for VAR, does he still get booked? Or- <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's... Oh, yeah, God. That, that's a the, you're the ref cartoon waiting to happen, isn't it? Yeah, the amount of uh, what happens, it's that whole if somebody scores from a controversial decision and then goes down the other end and it's all one of those, isn't it? But yeah. I still, Although, I mean, I, for me, I still think people who take their shirts off should be booked on principle because I just don't believe in any situation ever that's a natural reaction. And I it just, is... A, it it is a bit dumb, isn't it? Unless it's a T-shirt on with something underneath. Well, then... particularly as he was yeah. wearing a long sleeve sort of thermal underneath it. Yeah. So it wasn't even like he was beating his bare chest Ibrahimovic style towards the no. back. Yeah. You make um, a point. You make a point actually in that game though, and and that as it, you just reminded me of that, so I will mention it. The the thing about the whole Toko Okambi goal was I don't I don't know if this has been brought up elsewhere, but I certainly noticed it. Rudy Garcia made, I think it was at least two, maybe even three changes directly off the back of that that opening goal. 
Um, and that included, I think, Toko Kambi himself coming off with the understanding that they'd gone one nil up. Because I say that the ball went all the way back to the centre circle. It was being given on the commentary was, you know, finally Leon broken through, etc. And then, of course, it all came back. And it does make me wonder, like in this situation, I, I, I said, I don't know if anyone else has brought it up, but those two or three substitutions, you know, arguably they've taken off a, a forward who could have potentially got them a goal and, and were looking to shut up shop. So I suppose you, you sort of could argue, could those substitutions not be taken back? Is that, do we if you have a view on that or am I just overthinking it? Oh, Christ. No, I think <laughs> right I mean, now. if that's what happened. Just so many things. Yeah. Definitely happened. I, I didn't I'll look up see that happening off. immediately. I mean, I think I was worried because I turned over kind of half an hour in and thought Leon was screwing things up, and then wondered, worried that I jinxed it. And as you, as Jez mentioned, Mets hit the bar in the 89th minute, and I was like, "Oh God, that's the chance gone." But then immediately, Leo Seca um, came in and got the goal, so that was a real kind of chaotic period after the goal that last 15 minutes was was fairly full on but again it was a it was a good fun match to watch and I think it, it buggered up a lot of people's accumulators as well mm. yeah yeah I definitely did that it was it was, a, it was a 76th minute in question when um Ryan Shirky and Islan Slimani replaced Ikambi and Kadawere. So, yeah, I mean, you could argue Slimani, who was making his debut, is an offensive change. But I would suggest sort of Shaki, OK, again, an offensive player, but more of a midfielder coming on for Toko Ikambi. It's just one of those... Well, it just goes to show... It's don't just one of those make, situations where... Don't the, make the, substitutes. Just, don't make substitutions. Until you know exactly what's going on. Running. I mean, God, that's... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. What, what about... Point of view, I think it's, um, it's, it's probably the most positive that Mets fans have been since 98, 99, basically. Yeah. They, they, obviously, there's the issue with, with goal scoring. So they don't have really any out-and-out strikers. Well, I suppose Leo Seca is, but he's not necessarily the most reliable, despite what happened the other day. Um but um, you know they, they've really got a couple of good playmakers. They've got two or three. In recent years, it's probably been one standout at a time. But they've got two or three really talented young youngsters. Um, there's obviously going to be issues sort of fending off interest from the, um, for people like Santos and, and Boulaya even. But at the moment, they're they're really in a good place, and mm. hopefully, it's something they can sort of build on. Interesting, yeah. interesting stat on the goal scoring front. Ibrahim and Niani, six goals in six matches. He's actually got a one in one record, which is the best in the goal scoring charts. <clears throat> having, having been out for all these months as well, and when he comes back, can he can he um, pick pick up where he left off? But um, no, I, I, I agreed. Sort of looking back at it, I was quite pleased with Mets, especially after. Like you said, Jez, the, um, the the PSG sort of last minute, that's the one that really stands out to me where they deserved a lot more. What about Leon though, Phil? We have to touch on them because this just had the it just had that feel to me of this is why Leon aren't gonna win this league. And yeah, I know that's a like, harsh, like I but... said, that's when I switched over to this game, mm. I tweeted Leon are currently screwing up the chance to go top of the back top of the table. Yeah. Um, because you could, in a sense, you could see it wasn't working. And it's one of those things that you can't quite put your finger on because 
and clearly the manager can't either. Um, so yeah, it's you know it it feels like you know they're only two points off the top two, but you know that they really had to, and this looked with all respect to, to Mets and Jess, uh, this looked like a banker. And that's why I think a lot of people were thinking and it just went horribly wrong for them um, in those last couple of minutes. But yeah, I mean, Lopez was madly out of position there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I think there, there might be quite a few recriminations uh, being chucked around a certain dressing room at the moment. Yeah. Bulaya's pass sort of broke the lines and I think... Yeah. I don't think it was unreasonable for him to come out. He just didn't fully commit, did he? It was one of those, it's like, if, if he'd have... He, he was stuck between stick and twist there. Yeah, he, he kind of did that thing where he, he came out so far and went, yep, yep, and then you could almost see the horror on his face as he sort of went, yeah, yeah, no, 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 oh God, oh God. And then it was like caught between. But it was, I still thought, like, to, to, to take that in the 91st minute, as it was uh, from Leia, that it was a really composed finish. For, for a, a you know a young strike, I just it was one of those where you you could easily have seen him go around the goalkeeper and you know all over twat it wide or yeah exactly it was one of those um, twenty three years old so yeah he's still comparatively young and uh, it was a big moment for him I think that's his third goal of the season so fair play to two Mets um, Phil I'm coming back to you though because the other team that I don't know if we can consider them in the title race but we have to have a little bit of love for Monaco because they're on a bit of a hot streak and they're just yeah. outside. The top four, and they beat Montpellier 3-2 in a, a thriller on, yes. uh, on Friday well, night. Now, I didn't actually see this due to various issues, but um, obviously we've talked last week about Montpellier's very poor form recently, and this continued, but there were some slight green shoots, if I can just mention those. Obviously, Monaco went 3-0 up. So allowing that to happen is definitely not a green shoot, but they did, uh, Montpellier did put in uh, something of a fight back uh, to get it to back to sort of 3-2 in the space of five minutes. And the first goal was from uh, Sepi el who only turned 18 two weeks ago, uh, getting his debut uh, goal for the club and only his second sub appearance. So he's kind of started the fight back, which obviously he's delighted with. And then Andy Delore, the man who claims in two languages that he will not be leaving uh, Montpellier this January got the second. So there was a fight back, but they still had 20 minutes left and it just didn't work out. I think when you look at Monaco's form, the goals scored, obviously their joint second on 39 scored with Lyon after, of course, PSG. And they had some sort of upsy-downsies at the beginning of the season, but they're on a very, very good run right now and don't really have any distractions. So they're four points off Lyon in third um, and they're level on points with Wren, who are also kind of bouncing around enjoyably at the moment. So you can't rule them out of, you know, putting together a push upwards, definitely. Uh, particularly when other people maybe have other things on their mind. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's an interesting, an interesting situation there that they have really kind of managed to put this put this nice streak together over the kind of over the, the Christmas period, as it were. 
Yeah, it's a really, really entertaining game. I, I tuned in sort of with, with an eye thinking, oh, this might be all right. And it was more than all right in the end. And Kevin Volland is, is hitting a, a hot streak. I think that's his sixth goal in recent times. Ben Yedda back amongst the goals, one from the spot and, and one from open play with a very clever header. So, yeah, I, th- I think it'd be foolish to rule no, Monaco Volland out. has 10. 10 this season, is it? Yeah, I, th- I think yep. it's something like six in nine he's got now or something he's, like that. He's, he's been on fourth the in the list. He's doing so it's well. Mbappe, Dia, Depay, Volland are the ones in double figures. Good finish as well in this particular game because it wasn't it wasn't an easy take to fire through the crowd. So, yes, good stuff. Uh, as for Montpellier, yeah, I think their their primary goal at the moment is keeping hold of of Delors and, and in particular the Gator Laborde, who's still interesting. Well, West Ham, I think it is. So. It looks like I mean we've kind of uh, resigned ourselves to Laborde being off for a while. Yeah, um, but I think now it's going to be down to how much can Nicolan get for him. Yeah, uh, some amusing um, stuff today. I think he was saying, "I still can't work out why he, why he was sold to us." No, <laughs> He's no, kind just... of talking talking up the price there, like uh, like uh, Lulu would have loved. So. Yeah, does seem like a, one of those moves that does seem to be on the cards in terms of uh, of likely. Um, I feel, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm sort of sticking a, a big shitty stick your way again, Jez, so I apologise. But we do have to talk about the shitty stick that is Marseille. Sorry, Marseille fans. I'm not really, because they were appalling. Uh, against Nîmes, I watched them watch the full 90 minutes. Bottom on... of the table, Nîmes. Yeah. A full name. And, and t- two goals for Eliasson. Nîmes was so comfortable that the first goal from Eliasson, he didn't even know anything about it. It was, it was <clears> that, that bizarre. And he then went and scored a second. Uh, Marseille were, were just poor. Benedetto got one back late on. Payet was awful. Zovan missed the penalty. Uh, Villas Boas was, was spiky once again. Uh, lowest, we, we... lowest penalty conversion rate in the top five leagues. I and think a, they've only was... scored one of the four they've been given. And a really poor pen, by the way, by, certainly by Tovan's standards. He was um, not alone over the weekend. No, no, he wasn't. That was, that was a couple of others in fairness. But what, what's your thoughts, Jez? I mean, we've been here before, haven't we? And and I don't know. I don't know about you, but I have a feeling that this this Marseille story is going to run a bit more this season. And I, I have a feeling that we're going to see a parting of ways, either with players or or management, in the not too distant future. What what do you think? There is some talk of a few players leaving, and uh, you know, so the, the 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 natives are restless. And first Boas, we've mentioned for weeks, has not been happy, but. This sort of performance is the sort of performance that that is just so quintessentially Marseille, and that's got to change, hasn't it? If they're ever going to get out of this constant rinse repeat of we're in it, oh, actually we're not covering Marseille again. That that's the problem with Marseille. Everything is is one extreme or the other. Yeah. <laughs> there's just there's no grey areas at all. Everything's either going brilliantly or you know, in the depths of a crisis. And um, yeah, there, there is the whole club is always sort of always in a state of flux and I don't think it helps that you know Vidas Boas was was going to quit and then he wasn't going to quit and then Zubizarreta left instead and and um you know he's he's there he decided to stay but everything he says suggests that he's not happy and or talking himself out of the job um Tovan has, con- has returned to form this year but has confirmed that he doesn't want to not he doesn't want to stay next year. I think he just wants to experience something different. So he's, you know, he doesn't intend to stay. Payet has got this unbelievable sort of new deal. So clearly doesn't give a shit. Um, you know, he he 
broke into a run five times during the match. Oh, God. Yeah. As um, stats go. Yeah. But, and that's, like, I mean, that's like describing me. <laughs> yeah. You, you listen to Rene Malville, who's, who, after all Marseille matches, it does um, Le Minute to Marseille, so, or Le Minute de Rene, and he sort of just does a, a short review of the of their last match and to be completely honest when Marseille win it's not worth watching but <laughs> when they lose it's absolutely fantastic and he was just going absolutely mental this week and um, you know really having to go at Payet and kind of saying you know at least Benedetto who's not playing well um, you know he scores a goal and he has the he has the sort of uh, I don't know humility or whatever not to you know not to give it the big one with all the you know signs to the bench and stuff like that whereas Payet you know, on the rare occasion, he breaks into a run and scores a goal. He's doing all these messages to Villas Boas to make a point because in the previous match he, he might not start it. That kind of thing. Fine, do that, but then back it up with consistent good performances, which he's not doing. Um, Tovac, you know, it happens that you miss a penalty, but he he should be sort of, you know, he was the captain for this match, so. It's unfortunate, but you want him to sort of step up and show leadership and sort of settle the team by by putting them ahead. Um, so it's all it's all a bit of a mess. Um, Camera, I think, went off at injured quite early on, which doesn't help. Yeah. Um, as you said, Alvaro is 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 still decent enough in defence, but a little bit like Villas Boas, he seems sometimes to get a bit more distracted by by running battles than than the actual football. Sanson looks like he's he's finally got his wish to, to move to England, although depending on who you read, he's either definitely joining Villa or West Ham or Arsenal or Leicester. Um, <laughs> or all four, yeah. It is messy. And and a lot of the problem is that they can't really, you know, Strootman's left, so that, that saves a bit of salary, hopefully, but they don't have that much money to play with. And and the crazy thing is that it looks like they're going to bring bring in Ar- Arcadius Milik, who's yeah. you know, a real upgrade on what they've got up front and could be really good. But even then, it just seems a sort of classically Marseille thing to do because it looks like the deal is going to be um, a loan with obligation to buy for seven million when his contract ends, so he's going to be a free agent in the yes. summer. It's the classic Marseille sort of. Only Arsenal can do transfers worse than Marseille, for the record. But yeah, that, that I thought that, and 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 the other one that I would mention as well, which I, I don't know what the injury is, but if Steve Mandanda is out for any prolonged period of time, you know, I know he's a bit of a figure of fun in some quarters, but he's been consistently their best player for nearly eighteen months now. Mm. If he's out for any prolonged period of time, Johan Pelé is not a bad replacement, but. I think you know, a, a, a leader as well. Right. I think he's a respected player who keeps yeah. a couple of other people calm. He is the ca- he's a captain, isn't he? As you say, I yeah. think he's slightly overrated, and I think Pele is slightly underrated. So I, think... I do agree, Pele's underrated. He had that spell, didn't he? Was it two years ago where he he had a, a long run of, of games and, and looked really good? Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I, I just I just. I do, I do agree with you. I think, I think Mandanda can be slightly overrated, but he, he has made some some crucial big saves in big games at, at big times. So I just wonder if, like, like Phil says, it's that leadership element. And, it's, um, it's, it's more the the balance of the characters. It's not that he's the leading character. It's that he balances some of the other ones who might be or maybe more negative influences. Yeah, reasons. Yeah, yeah. If you see what I mean. Yeah, and and that's and that's the, that's the problem I have with with Pyatt. And I, I appreciate. 
some people have sort of said, well, you know, his his game is not running. You know, the the, the classic sort of Matt Letizier sort of argument. Well, you know, he's not a runner, time, frankly. But it's, you, you've got to put some effort in it. I think the, the problem w- with Payet is, is it just he always has that look of a guy who's trying to go, there you go, I told you so, rather than just focusing what he's good at. Because mm. what he's good at is is he's a, he's a magnificently talented footballer when he decides he wants to be one. And, and this is exactly why I think West Ham fans were so upset when he um, when he left them. But that's, that's for another a rainy day. But nevertheless, Marseille uh, did what Marseille do um <laughs> they got defeated should say by the way massive result for Neem, um who at the time of the game were bottom and have now gone up to 18th huge win for them and say Lyson with two goals should not be underpinned they came into this game and, and they played very well you know again that was an element of luck with the penalty miss etc but they they did play a very very decent game and, and they set up to attack Marseille and particularly when they went one nil up they dominated for the rest of the 20 minutes until Marseille got the late goal back so fair play to knee a massive result for for them should also give a, a little nod to st etienne's uh, essentially <coughs> under 18s team who made the trip to strasbourg they lost one nil and uh, luvick short with the goal another good win that for strasbourg but i think it's 18 members of the first team squad and coaching staff were were absent for st etienne due to COVID 19 issues um they they were looking for for this match to be suspended or postponed, as indeed the Lorient Dijon game was earlier in the week after Lorient had a, a breakout of COVID, which is just all we need right now. But still, um, Saint Etienne didn't get that that particular ruling. Is there any controversy in that? Do we think? I mean, eighteen members of the coaching staff and playing staff combined—that's quite a that's quite a hefty outbreak, albeit late. I don't I don't know. Do we do we read into that as being a bit of a harsh? harsh decision maybe it's weird that there were kind of two different decisions taken in for two different similar circumstances but you know crasso nordem budaboos moulin you recognize and then the rest of it was you know pick a pick a number between 30 and 40. um so yeah it was i think an understandable one but I mean, they just can't catch a break at the moment, but that's kind of their own fault in a lot of cases um, that, uh, you know, the seniors have been so inconsistent that you can't really blame the, you know, the... Not all of these are younger, very young guys, by the way, 23, no. 22, but they are mostly reserve players. So I think that might have made the difference that there were enough senior players. Yeah, um, but you know, it's uh, on this. I think you just have to say, well, Strasbourg are on a continue their decent run of form, and uh, and let's see what happens next for for Saint Etienne. I think they just have to wipe that one and and move forward. Yeah, they they've lost the last two, and and are currently um, it is four points in fairness, but they they've are hovering. The next match happens to be against Lyon, and they've asked if that can be postponed. Could be for yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and that's all of a sudden a massive game for both sides. Obviously, Lyon need to get back to winning ways, and Saint-Étienne are hovering and dropping. Strasbourg uh, three straight wins; they're flying up the table. They're up to thirteenth now. So, and really kind of result. elsewhere in the multiplex, while that was happening, there were two other chaotic games going on at the same time which got much more of the coverage so i didn't 
Yeah, well, I, 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 I wanted to bring up, uh, I wanted to bring up Nice, um, and Jez, I'll give, I'll give you this one. They lost at home to Bordeaux by three goals to nil. Um, Yasin Adli was at the heart of that particular performance for Bordeaux, who played very, very well. Ujo, um, Base, and Basic with the goals. But uh, I don't want to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy and say Adrian Osir has come in at Nice. Previous coaching experience dates back a long time ago. Nice look a bit of a mess, which they were a bit of a mess under Vieira, but they look like an even bigger mess all of a sudden. How how long do they let this go? Particularly with, I I don't know whether there's any whether there would be any opportunity for a certain former manager to return. But while he's out of work, if you know who I mean, surely there's a, a thought that, that they could potentially revisit that situation because. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to rule out and say, you know, we don't know too much about him, but it did seem like a strange appointment to have a guy who already was, was already known in the dressing room, etc. It doesn't look to me, based upon what I saw of this game, like anything has changed. Nice still look a mess and their three best players on the day were all low knees, which doesn't help. So it, what, what do you think? Exactly. Atrocious. Yeah, and that's with Saliba in and, and actually performing fairly well, it, it must be said. Is there a case, Jez, for this? For for the you know, potentially Nice not continuing with it with the Osea plan and maybe looking to going back to Pastures old in terms of their managerial situation? I mean, I think it's definitely possible that Osea doesn't last the rest of the season if he if he carries on or his team carries on in this form. Um, I thought it was a relatively strange appointment. I don't know if it because of the, all the money that mm. um, the, the owners have got by not paying tax in Britain and still voting for Brexit. Um, <laughs> they're, they're sort of waiting till the summer to, to bring in bigger names, allegedly. allegedly. Um, in terms of Fav, I mean, I've got, I've got no, no idea whether he wants to come back or whether they can afford whatever his his salary demands might be. I mean, it, yeah, it's easy to sort of speculate and say that that would be the obvious solution. But, you know, a lot has changed within the club. And and I don't know, he's sort of taken on a, a bigger dimension, having managed Dortmund, who are a bigger club, but then, you know, reaching a bit of a ceiling with them and, and not doing brilliantly well in the end. Um so, yeah, I, d- I don't know if that's necessarily the solution, but whatever is happening at the moment isn't working. And, and um, I suppose in terms of the recruitment they made in the summer, probably the, the defence was the, the one that was a little bit more, the moves are a bit more risky, the players are a little bit younger and, and more untested. Obviously, Dante getting badly injured has not helped at all, but Benitez's form isn't quite what it was, I don't think. And... and mm. You know, the, in terms of Saliba, I feel sorry for him because he's walked in. You know, he's barely played football for a year. He's walked into a team that he doesn't know. He's still only nineteen, and yet now he's supposed to be the the leader of that defence, and, and yeah. as well as getting acclimatised to everything else, actually sort of directing three or four other people who don't seem to have a clue what they're doing. But you know, there's players like Stanley and Socky who. Um, we've criticised PSG for some of the players that, that, that they've got rid of that were supposed to be the next big stars. And, and Soki was one of them. And, and at least in that case, it certainly seems that they knew what they were doing because he hasn't pulled up any trees at all since he's moved to Nice. And it puts a lot of pressure on those in front. And 
probably, you know, Claude Maurice still hasn't fulfilled the poten potential that, that we were expecting him to, to show uh, or to fulfill. Ren Adelaide, I think, has been disappointing considering what a good game he 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 spoke as he left Lyon quite acrimoniously. Um, and it just puts all the all the pressure on the likes of Guiri and Dolberg. And and Dolberg, frankly, since he arrived, I don't think has looked particularly happy there. Guiri is, you know, it's still basically his first proper season in the top flight. Um, so the the sort of ripple effect of of where it's going wrong at the back is kind of stretching across the whole team, and it, it's not great. And mm. considering that the investment that that went into the team, I really think they should be doing a lot better. And yeah. Criticised Vieira, I do still think it was a lot his fault, and it was right for him to go. But it's certainly you know game by game, it's his his sort of <laughs> reputation is being restored a little yeah yeah and and you know if you're gonna let coach go at least have a, a very decent sort of coach to come in and again, I, mean, I understand sort of halfway through the season you bring in someone who already knows the club yeah um but almost like what Dortmund did when father went where they brought in a coach who who sort of knew the ins and outs and he probably won't be there I think that's the difference there's no sort of long-term plan it's very well known in Germany that that uh, the uh, Gladbach coach, whose name escapes me, is likely to become Dortmund coach. So you sort Rosa. of know that's the one, Michael Rosa. So you sort of know that there's a, a plan in place. Whereas with Nice, it's almost like, well, we'll stick this guy in. And if he does well, then we'll stick with him. And if not, you know, it, it, he, do, he doesn't have the sort of feel of a Julian Stefan to me. I guess that would be the best way of putting it with, uh, with Nice. I guess we'll see. Um, um Yes. A little bit of love for Bordeaux because yeah, absolutely, they're, they're in, they're doing, in form. You know, they're eighth, hopping nicely up the table, and that that clean sheet put Costil, Bumwa Costil, on eleven clean sheets for the league season, which is the best in the top five leagues alongside Jan Oblak, which bad, is, is not to be sneezed at. And there was a certain amount of kind of narrative going on with obviously ex Niçois Paul. It's all about that getting the <laughs> second goal which I think was where I noted down terrible defending underneath yeah. but that could have been the Basic goal because frankly could have been any they were of pretty them. bad <laughs> yeah yeah throughout. they were exposed yeah um, so yeah that was uh, that was that was fun and the other game in the multiplex which I watched which got quite a lot of um, play was obviously Penalties, 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 penalties all over the place as Raymond Dominic's Nantes drew with Lens uh, in what was, if you're watching a multiplex, there's obviously a lot of shouting as the commentators attempt to attract the uh, video editor's attention towards their match. And good Lord, there was there was quite a lot of shouting in this one. So um, that was, there was a, Penalty missed from Gal Kakuta. We also had, obviously, after Tobam, Boudaboo's missed one in the Saint-Étienne match. And then within a minute, um, there was a penalty at the other end, to, which happened so fast that the TV coverage hadn't really caught up with what actually caused the second one because they were still replaying why the first one was so terrible, which it was. Yeah. Um, that was way over the bar. Um, even worse than the Budaboo's one. 
Um, and then Loser got the penalty for Nantes to put them ahead and make Raymond Dominic crack. I'm not going to say a smile. It's kind of a grimace, almost. Kind of, there was some form of expression happening, which I didn't fully understand. But then Kakuta did get his own back. Uh, ten minutes from time, with Lance's first shot on target of the match, uh, yeah. he got the equaliser. So I'm sure that the om Lance match, uh, which happens... Uh, Wednesday in the catch-up game is going to be an absolute doozy. Yes, that is Marseille against Lens tomorrow night at time for recording on the Wednesday evening. So yeah, that's one of Marseille's two games in hand, which we all know they're definitely going to win and therefore be in the title race. Oh wait, maybe not. But I guess we'll see. I should be watching. I think the other one, sense. the other one is against Nice. So yeah, yeah. talk talk about the the proverbial two bold men fighting over a comb. Yes, absolutely. The only other game to mention, uh, as you say, Lorient Dijon was postponed, but uh, Julien Stéphane's ran uh, came from behind to beat Brest. Uh, Frank Honora with the opener for the home side before Bourigard and uh, Clement Grenier once again from the penalty spot, getting the uh, the winning what proved to be the winning goal, and that puts Ren, who are also suddenly finding form alongside Monaco, uh, joint thirty six points. Those two, fourth and fifth, they're kind of the outsiders in this. In this uh, title race, I still think it's probably realistically one from three, which I think might even end up as being one from two as a few weeks go by. But nevertheless, we've got PSG and Lille in uh, joint first which, position. God, Jess. Which two? Uh, I think it will be PSG Lille. I, I just, there's something about Leon that I just, I, I don't trust. I don't know what it is. There's just something there that I just don't, I just don't. I just can't. <laughs> I, I want to. I want to believe, but the the one I would like, I'd like to see Monaco put a run together because I really like what what they're doing under Kovac and the younger players coming through. And, and of course, there's all the ribs about the, you know, the, their ground being more more full now than with no fans than when there was fans and all these jokes. But the, it would just be nice to see. I, I still have that beating heart of the that that Monaco team that did those games in the Champions League all those years ago and I kind of want a little bit of that back just with the young players and whatnot so I'm hopeful that they can put a run together but I, I feel like it will be a Lille PSG fight to the death um, but I, you know I could be wrong of course it, it has happened many times but uh, for the moment PSG and, and Lille remain top two 42 points for them, for them both Leon dropping those points at home to Mets. As we said, they've got 40 points in third with Monaco and Rennes 36, joint fourth, fourth or fifth, whichever you want to look at it. Marseille, yes, they do still have those two games in hand, which in theory means that they could get 38 points and go fourth, but we all know what's going to happen. They sit sixth with Angers, Bordeaux, Metz and Lons making up the top 10. Uh, Montpellier's slide down the table. Sorry, Phil, continues there down in the 11th with uh, Brest we, also. We play PSG next. Oh, so there's a nice easy three points for you there. Uh, yikes. <laughs> Prest also sliding down the table into 12th. Strasbourg, three straight wins, has given them a cushion up to 13th, with Nice once again sliding down to 14th, with Rouse on 21 points in 15th. And Etienne, as we said earlier, slightly slipping once again, two straight defeats down in 16th. Nantes just above the relegation zone in 17th, with Nîmes. With that big win at the weekend, catapulting them above Dijon and Lorient, who now, of course, have the game in hand against each other. In terms of... That was called yeah. neutral's perspective. That would have been brilliant in the multiplex, because that would have been real... It would have, yeah. stuff. The only thing I would say is we've got Nîmes-Lorient at the weekend, which is equally 
um, yeah. sort of big. So, you know, there, there's, there's a reply, assuming, of course, that L'Oreal are, are able to field a side um, in terms of that particular game. As as you mentioned as well, Phil, the, the first game of the weekend is, is the Friday night game with PSG Montpellier. We've got uh, Lons, Nice and Monaco, Marseille on the really Saturday. Say again, Jess? There's some really good matches. This there week. are, aren't there? Yeah, there are. That The Monaco-Marseille game looks to be a good watch. Dijon-Strasbourg uh, might be worth a look on Sunday. That's good as well. Yes, Rasbrest, the 2 o'clock game. You know, there's lots of Lille, Ren, yeah. teams and that Sanitian. are pretty close to each other, which is yes. great. And of course, saint etienne Lyon aren't, but yes. they are saint etienne Lyon. So. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that one goes down without fans. Again, I know we've said it a few times with rivalries, but this one in particular has always been a bit, uh, been about the fans and, and the atmosphere created. So it will be interesting to see how this one goes. And as we mentioned earlier on, it, it's it's kind of important for both teams. Both teams yeah. need a win here. So I'm I'm going to predict um, fireworks and pyro from the car park from the outside, yeah, the stadium. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, Bet I wouldn't on be surprised that. at all. That uh, certainly has the look of a decent game. A um, couple of other ones as well. Mets, Nantes and uh, Bordeaux-Angers are on Sunday, as indeed I've said, Ren Lille is another one that's worth keeping an eye on. So we'll be across those, as well as that Marseille game in hand on next week's show. Um, Phil, Coupe de France update? Coupe kind de of, France. So yeah. we've got the, the Ligue 1 games, uh, sorry, the Ligue 2 games are happening uh, today, Tuesday, and tomorrow, Wednesday. And at, as it stands, Paris FC have beaten Le Havre, Valenciennes have beaten Chambly, AC Ajaccio have beaten Chateauroux, and we have two games uh, that are in penalties, Dunkirk Amiens and Pau Rodez, uh, before the late game is Auxerre-Trois, and tomorrow there's, there's uh, Clermont-Grenoble, Nancy Social, Toulouse Nior, and Gangon Khan. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of um, interest coming out of there. Obviously, tomorrow is Wednesday, the inauguration of the new president of the USA. So we possibly may end up just watching an armed insurrection on TV instead of football again, but we'll do what we can. Yes. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, that's uh, plenty of. Bits and bobs going on and, and certainly a packed schedule ahead this next upcoming week. So we will be across that as usual. Um, which particular games are you both going to be looking at? I, I, have you got particular favourites? Like we said, it's a, it's a stellar well, weekend of games. but Through my fingers, PSG Montpellier. Um, <laughs> but I think um, the, the evening games... As a neutral, Monaco, Marseille, and Saint Etienne, Lyon. I'm yeah. just going to enjoy watching on the sofa under curfew, possibly with a glass of red and some biscuits. Sounds good to me. Same for you, uh, Jez. Yeah. Saint Etienne, Lyon, because it's Saint Etienne, Lyon. But um, yeah. Yeah, Ras Brest and Ren Lille for me are the standouts. Yeah, yeah, and for me, from a Personal perspective, I'll be keeping a close eye on what happens with, with Lorient because I say I think that's a, a must-win game in terms of really both sides. But it's uh, it's what got, got the feel of one of those games that could either be really entertaining and have lots going on or it could just be a nightmare. So I guess we will see. But we will be across those games, like I say, next week. Uh, assuming assuming uh, everything is uh, is as normal, we'll, uh, we'll probably be back on the Monday next week. But obviously, 
as you said before, life gets in the way sometimes. So if we don't pop into your I inbox, if you will. not this week. Let's hope not. If we uh, if we don't drop into your inbox on time, don't panic. We'll be back. Uh, but uh, yes, we will aim to be back for for this time next week. Uh, sorry, for Monday next week. But uh, until then, it just remains for me to thank both Jez and Phil for your time. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, whichever one of the stellar games of football this weekend you're going to watch, uh, whatever it is, keep it French, enjoy your French football. And until then, we'll speak to you very soon. <laughs>